This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, kind enough to give us some time again to talk some Celtics, covers the NBA for the Boston Globe, our friend Gary Washburn. Gary Gresham Fourier, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, guys, how's it going? Are you sick of hearing about timeouts and adjustments yet? <laughs> it's been like that it's been like that all season about the timeouts um you know it's just it's it's interesting to cover this team and to follow this team and to just see how much they get in their own way and how they probably could have swept this series but now we're here to two and best of three and now every game is just extreme pressure uh and so it's just one of those things uh so the celtics have to learn how to deal with prosperity better, and they have to also learn how to execute down the stretch in the fourth quarter, and maybe a timeout or two would have helped that cause in game four. So, you know, that's just the timeout, timeout thing, and, and as soon as this game is over, we'll probably put that to bed for good unless he makes another boneheaded decision. But, you know, we played sound earlier about Malcolm Brogdon talking about, like, about the decision to not to call a timeout and how, and how uh, Joe Mazzula trusts them, and I'm sure they all love it, right? But my question to you is, should Joe Mazzula trust his players? I think at this point, not as much as he probably does because they're not executing. I mean, to be honest, guys, I mean, I look at other NBA games, and it's not like every other team executes these masterful plays with three seconds left to get an easy layup. Sometimes it's just about making shots. You know, it's just about being better than your opponent. I mean, and I think that's every sport. I mean, that's why, you know, the Bradys and the Elways and these great, the Mahomes, you know, you can't give them the ball with two minutes left because they're just going to be better than you are, right? And they're going to they're going to drive their team to the winning touchdown. That's the same thing in basketball. The Celtics have to be better than the Sixers down the stretch. They got to hit shots. They've got to show that they're the better team when he's when when it counts. So it's not as much as Joe should not trust his players, but the players got to be better in these situations. I mean, it's it's they're both at fault. Gary, how important do you think it is? For Joe Missoula to have come out yesterday and said, hey, in hindsight, I probably should have done it differently. 
does that really resonate or matter to this group of players in your opinion? I think it does, especially since Tatum and Brown both, you know, took fault for their part in it. Like Brown, you know, said he he messed up and obviously not covering James Harden and doubling on Joel Embiid and leaving Harden open, even though he already hit five three-pointers and was basically their best offensive weapon at at that point. And then Tatum for taking too long to get into the offense and then trying to make kind of a game-saving pass that was too late. Like, and then for, for Missoula to go, well, no, everything worked fine. We just ran it too late. Like, that just didn't, that didn't connect. And I think that this situation where the coach says, hey, I messed up too, does re- reach to his players to where they're not the only ones taking responsibility for the loss. So Gary, when you uh, we played, also we played. Uh, heard some sound of a Doc Rivers uh, after um, Game Four, right? Talking about how you know that Tatum play where it was like looked like a push off on Maxi. Uh, seems like he's politicking for Game Five. How do you think the game's going to play out with the refs now probably being aware that he said that and more eyeballs on the game in general with that type of refing? I think you'd be called call pretty closely to begin, and. One thing to change game four, guys, was that Jalen Brown got in early foul trouble. You got two fouls in the first, I think, four and a half minutes. Seven minutes left in the second quarter, first quarter. So he's got to play careful, and he's got to, he can't play as much against Harden, who is a master at drawing fouls. So I think that affected their defense on Harden and also allowed Harden to get comfortable because he was able to get open in some stretches. So the officiating is very important here. Because you have two guys in the 76ers that draw fouls. You could say flop and beats great at drawing fouls. He'll fall to the ground to make it look like he was hit, even though he wasn't. You know, he'll he'll act like he was, you know, knocked out by Mike Tyson in 88, you know, just to get just to get a foul. Like, he'll do all that for a 7-foot, 300-pound man. And in hard, we all know he can stop and start. He can do the whole, oh, I, you know, you hit me in the head and you're like, these guys know all the tricks of the trade. The Celtics have to be careful here. You want to play aggressive defense, but you don't want them living at the line. That's the thing. They took 15 free throws in the first half of game three. Like, you can't let those guys get those easy points. Uh, Gary, when you look at something that the Celtics can do that is an easy fix to uh, maybe a problem that you don't want to run amok, let's say, whether it is a substitution problem you know, they've been okay in terms of turnovers. Is there something that the Celtics, you think, sneaky need to button up to be able to win this game five? Or is it really about did you or did you not make the shot in the big spot? Yeah, I think it's just making shots. It's also not playing a terrible first half as they did in game four, coming out slow or, or coming out. And, and, and Tatum's got to get off to a better start. I, I, Gretchen, this is a matter of Tatum just being better. Mm-hmm. Like, play – you look at what Devin Booker's doing. You don't think Devin Booker's looking at Tatum and going, I should be first-team All-NBA. That I'm better than that dude. They, these guys are competitive. Look at what Devin Booker's doing for the Suns. He's carrying them. Like, the Celtics need a game like that from Tatum. Like, no, boys, jump on my back. I got this. We're getting this game tonight. Not 0 for 9, 1 for 8. Not looking frustrated because his shot isn't going down. Tatum needs to be great tonight. So, I mean, even just overall in the series, only four games, like, not that you're a teacher, but would you give him a grade so far or would it, for, the, for the four games that he's played? Tatum, uh, a C, I think he's been okay. 
I think he's had his moments, but nothing spectacular. We haven't had a signature Tatum game. You know, you want him to be like a Harden was. Put this team on your back, score relentlessly, and say, listen, this is my game. I'm the best player on the floor. That's what he did last year in the, in the Brooklyn series, even though it was Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or, or some of those games, that game six with Giannis. Like, Jason needs to look and say, I'm the best MF here on the floor. Like, it's, it, it's me tonight. And act like it, you know, as opposed to getting frustrated or trying to get going. Get to the rim. Get to the free throw line. Make it easy on yourself. Quit trying to be so pretty and splashing threes. It looks good when it goes down. When it doesn't, it hurts the team. See, just listening to you, Gary, I hear the frustration in your voice, and it sounds similar to the way I feel when I see it. And I just, and I wonder, even in this circumstance, uh, with these circumstances with this team, it feels like with a player like Jalen Brown, maybe that's a little bit harder. For him, as a, if you if you compare it to Devin Booker, like maybe it's a little easier for Booker because it's more of a leash, and it's with and Tatum almost feel like he has to compete for opportunities more than somebody else does. Well, maybe, but you know, Phoenix got Kevin Durant there too, and Kevin Durant can drop a thirty nine piece too. So both of those guys have been great. They can both make coexist and share the ball. Tatum and Brown can both go for thirty five. That's not a problem. They just got to incorporate each other. And then Jalen's got to be more active, like five five shots, three shots in the fourth quarter, none in overtime. Like he gets off to this tremendous start. He looks like the best player on the floor. Then in the second half, it becomes Tatum and Marcus Smart. Like Jalen needs to say, no, give me the ball too. And I'm not – and that's not selfish, but that's knowing – being confident in your abilities and knowing that you can take whoever they put on you to the basket – and either get to the rim or get fouled. They've got too much talent against Philadelphia in this series for it to be tied, and they got too much talent to lose this series, so they got to act like it. Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe here with Gresham Fourier, and that's where I was going next with Jalen Brown, Gary. And you mentioned it is the getting him second-half touches. I know Jalen even said, hey, maybe i got to call for the ball a little more. Is that as simple as Jalen Brown wanting the ball more? Does Missoula have to guide that? Is that a Tatum thing as well? How do they engage Jalen Brown in the fourth quarter without disrupting the natural flow of their offense? I just think giving the ball in more sets, let him create a little bit more. Um, We also saw the back cut that Marcus Smart and him had, you know, where he was cutting to the basket and getting easy dunks like Jalen's got to move without the ball more, but you also can't stick him in the corner and have him as a decoy. Like, you got to make it to where he can be a weapon. So I think it's a combination of Azula making more play calls and Jalen being a little bit more active on offense, moving around more, posting up a little bit, you know, cutting to the basket for back doors, just little things that can get you easy hoops. Anything up Doc's sleeve tonight, Gary? Is there, what are you expecting from the 76ers this evening? I know Doc was up to the old verbal tricks after game four, barking at the officials. It felt like it was a, a Celtics-Lakers NBA Finals from 15 years ago. But do the 76ers have a card to play tonight? I mean, really, they're playing the best they probably can. When Harden and Beat are going at it, they're a tough team to beat, so the Celtics have to contain one of those guys. But he could call more sets for maybe Tyrese Maxey, uses speed. De'Anthony Melton could, could become a factor. Um, Tobias Harris. But this is who they are. You know, 
they're not a great they're not a great great team, but they're a very good team, and they're good enough to beat you, especially when their two main guys got it, both have it going. So I think the the, the focus for the seventy sixers is to make sure that Harden doesn't have one of his his snoozers, and that Embiid is engaged and fully there and doesn't you know get tired in the fourth quarter as he did in Game Four where he pretty much didn't want the ball in certain stretches. So, Gary, let's assume that, like, tonight you have the same situation you had in game four, uh, you know, 20 seconds on the clock. Uh, who would be your top five offensive players on the floor if you could actually go back and redo that situation in game in, uh, in game that you had in game four? Your top five you guys. Celtics? Yeah, for the Celtics. Uh, I probably would put Brogdon, White, Tatum, Brown and Horford. So no smart. And yeah, no no smart in terms of I think if you're going to spread the floor, you got to have some real shooters out there. Smart, obviously we all know he can hit the shot, but he's more of a streaky shooter. Uh, I think Brogdon has shown the ability to hit that open shot. White, obviously we've seen Horford, and then Tatum and Brent or Brown. So I think you put shooters on the floor, you spread the floor, and you spread out to one of those shooters for if it's a three or even, you know what, there's nothing wrong with a two-pointer if you're down one point. My goodness. I mean, <laughs> always hitting the three is great, but it, the math don't math when you're trying to make a three and you're down one. Like, get to the free throw line or hit a short jumper, that's just as good. Gary, you, you're the national NBA writer for the Globe. How shocked are you that the Lakers are a game away from the West Finals? I know they rebuilt their team, but I didn't think it was going to work. Yeah, um, I do think that they've had – they put together – they re, like you said, Chris, they rebuilt their team. They put some, some guys there that wanted to be there. And also the competition. Memphis was in just in total dysfunction, and the Warriors are just not what they were last year. You know, they're, they're just not – their plan of having – like Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga, those guys be real contributors this year has not worked out. Clay is so up and down, and Draymond is kind of in decline. So you've got Steph and the Steph and the Steffers, and if they're not playing like uh, they should, they're a very mortal team. And so I think the Warriors are just not what they were. So I think you've got to look at the road that they've taken. And let's see what happens if they play Denver or Phoenix. I think that would be a bigger test. Obviously, Denver, I think, would be a, a better test for the Lakers. But you got to be impressed with how they galvanized and they look so terrible this year and with Russell Westbrook running around like a chicken with his head cut off at mm. most times of the season. And then they got rid of him and kind of rebooted. And now they're a real quality club. So, all right, okay, so uh, last one for me, just your prediction for tonight. I think the Celtics eke one out. Um, they could it could be a blowout. I don't know. It all depends on how Philadelphia comes out. You know, it seemed to me like Doc and if you look at the locker room tape from game four, like they're like, Hey, we're tied. I think they feel real fortunate to be tied in this series. I I think Doc knows that the, the Sixers just aren't as talented, but they're gonna muck up the game. They're gonna, you know, hopefully take advantage if they on their side of the Celtics botching late game situations and try to sneak two more. The Celtics stay sound. I think they win the game because I don't think Philadelphia can blow them out. I think it's up to the Celtics to make the the move to make it easier on themselves and win this game easily. All right, there is another game tonight. It is Phoenix and Denver. And Gary Washburn, my last question for you is, 
Will the Jokic brothers be there to protect their brother on the court <laughs> from owners who want to take things into their own hands? Oh, uh, yeah. We got we to gotta do something about the flopping owners. I didn't think it'd get to that point where <laughs> owners are now flopping, but we're here. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, that is such a strange situation. I mean, the NBA is just getting more bizarre uh, as we go along with some of the things that are happening, especially – uh, in the crowd, and now everybody wants to be part of the game. Everybody wants to, you know, interact with the players, scream excellently with the players, throw things at the players, spit at the players, and then, you know, uh, the players are getting involved, and then they get accused of, of being, you know, they got to be protected, but also the fans need to, to start cooperating. That even includes the, the owner. So it'll, it'll be an interesting night. Um, but just like the Celtics, I don't think the Nuggets thought they'd be 2-2. I think they're the better team, but Phoenix is playing – you know, better down the stretch. So we'll see because that would be a very interesting series too. Yeah, it's a good night of basketball tonight, and it starts with the Celtics and the 76ers. Gary Washburn all over it for the Boston Globe. Gary, good chat again, friend. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys.